0: Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. A lot of things happening today, Terry. <laughs> Amen. Happy Valentine's Day. Exactly. We also have uh, the first day, Ash Wednesday, the first day of Lent. That's right. And then also February is dedicated to the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and St. Joseph. Pray for us. Yes. A lot happening today, Terry.
1: Really, a lot. And we're going to be talking about Ash Wednesday and the biblical roots of that. And also, just a quick note, Jesse did a talk years ago on their... On the why the ashes, and we're going to play the entire talk after the rosary. We pray the rosary after the Terry and Jesse show today on our app. You won't want to miss it. It's a great talk. He'll touch a little bit about it today on the show. Well, I'll, give a, I'll
0: yeah, give a teaser. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Teaser, and but the whole talk is really something that's I think really outstanding. Also, Jesse, the idea of about presidents and President Biden, is age, and is he all there mentally? This has been all over the news because he can't get straight things. And, you know, it's pretty obvious. And we're just concerned about the leader of the country uh, having dementia, you know. So this is a concern we have. Also, we're going to be talking about how this Lenten season is going to be, how we're going to prepare for it to make it the best ever. But, Jesse, for your what we call need-to-know file, Uh, A baby girl was saved in Missouri's first safe haven baby box hours uh, after her birth. And just to refresh your memory, there was a Christian man in South Korea who started putting a box outside the church. And it said, if you can't take care of your baby, I will. And thousands of babies are born all over the world because of this safe haven baby box. So now other states are doing it. Also, Jesse... Put your seatbelt on for this one. I mean, Archbishop Aguirre, he's the guy that supported Bishop Strickland. No surprise. He's out in in Argentina. He's retired. So he's Emeritus Archbishop. He really gave good advice to Pope Francis. He said, Pope Francis should heed his own warning against the dangers of ideologies. And I think if you go to LifeSite, you can read the article. But I think it's good advice because much of... The things that Pope Francis talks about uh, is, you know, is ideologies. And so I think he has to heed his own advice. Also, last one I'll have and I'll turn it to you, Jesse. An atheist Vatican appointee. Now, Jesse, just that uh-huh. statement. An atheist Vatican appointee says pro-abortion UN goals should form the basis of common good. Now, I'm just asking the question, why do we have an atheist representing the Vatican regarding pro-life. I mean, I'm just, it doesn't, I'm scratching my head. I'm saying, who's running the show here? So I just need to pray for our leaders because that makes no sense to me. I'll turn it to you.
0: Yeah, Terry, today is a a prodigal, return of the prodigal son moment Mm -hmm. for a lot of us. uh, The first day of Ash Wednesday, Uh, St. Valentine is, uh, you know, one of the a catholic priest who basically got clubbed and beat to death yep because he was promoting the truth about uh, about marriage about uh, you know uh, marriage is free faithful and forever right. also i'm uh, i'm i'm appalled to know that there's a sacrilegious they're selling sacrilegious Taylor Swift candles. What's that oh all my about? my gosh. Yeah, Catholics what? have blasted a gift shop in Milwaukee that has been selling votive candles featuring the pop singer, and she's a Satanist, by the way, and a witch, <laughs> Taylor Swift, and the Kansas City Chiefs tight end, her boyfriend, dressed as uh, Mary and Jesus. That's absolutely blasphemous. Also, American College of Pediatricians say no to trans. A report released Wednesday by the American College of Pediatricians states that the so-called gender-affirming provides no demonstrable long-term benefits for the mental health and well-being of adolescents who claim to have a gender identity incongruent with their true sex. Also, this month, Biden administration, Department of Education, submitted the final touches to its new Title IX rule, which is expected to receive the president's approval. The rule would force K-12 schools and colleges to enact policies That specifically covers sexual orientations and gender identities of all kinds. Oh, we knew. Also, yeah, Biden faces mounting bipartisan criticism over border. A chorus of critics from across the political spectrum have slammed the border. Yeah, what border exactly? So you got both sides, and that and that's a good thing, Terry. Yeah. uh, That this is happening. Also, uh, House and Peaches Secretary Mayorkas. Yeah, too bad the Senate's not going to impeach him, right. uh, so it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And also, the last thing I want to mention is that the federal government has warned banks about extremists who uh, who who bought the Bibles, who bought Bibles. So the federal government, they're flagging, they're taking a look at people's bank purchases, and they're flagging people that purchase Bibles. This is an indication, according to the federal government under Biden, that the person may be an an extremist. (laughs) And so they're they're communicating with they're communicating with. And they're also flagging If if you've got on on your on your bank statement, if it says something like MAGA or Trump to financial institutions, you're being flagged by the federal government. Uh, So, yeah, Terry, this is this is where we're at right now.
1: Yeah, well, I'm I'm going to make a comment. I wasn't going to say, it, but I'll say it. We got 5,000 Chinese communists coming across our border, from what we read, and nothing's being done about that. We got terrorists M- coming. Mi- across, military
0: age, military. Military age, military
1: age yeah. and we're worried about people who read the Bible. <laughs> Come on, is this microphone on? I mean, that's how bad it is.
0: Gosh, keep going, Jess. Okay, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Hey. Today's, today's good news, Gospel of Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, we need it, brother. Yes. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, 1 and following. Jesus said to his disciples, Take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that people may see them. Otherwise, you will have no recompense from your heavenly Father. When you give alms, do not blow a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, to win the praise of others. Amen, I say to you, that they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your almsgiving may be a secret. And your Father who sees in secret will repay you. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that others may see them. Amen, I say to you, that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go to your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret." The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord
0: Jesus Christ. A couple of comments that I'll make about today's Gospel uh, in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 6 jumps out at me where Jesus Christ reaffirms the three traditional works of mercy honored by the Jews. We see this in Tobit chapter 12, verse 8. And the three traditional works are almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. Notice that our Lord Jesus Christ does not challenge these practices in themselves. He just warns against performing them for public esteem and for public respect. Yeah. The next thing that I see that jumps out at me, Terry, is verse 2. We're ta- our Lord talks about giving alms. Mm-hmm. This means charitable gifts to the poor. It's like it says in Sirach chapter 17, verse 22 and Luke 3, 11. And he calls people hi- hypocrites who are you know basically hypocrites are actors that's what it means in greek mm-hmm. an act actor or a stage player and our lord uh, is speaking to the scribes and pharisees that who he that's who he has in mind when he says this who performed their outward devotion to be seen and praised by men in public but inside these guys were these guys were evil these guys were wicked so they they performed outward devotions to be seen in public but uh our lord is saying that the exercise of one's faith it can be public so long as it flows from proper intentions. Mm. Also, verse 6 jumps out at me, where our Lord says to do this in secret. In other words, private prayer stands in contrast to the false piety of these hypocrites, the scribes and Pharisees. And it was Jesus' own custom to withdraw from the public and pray alone to the Father. Private prayer is a complement to communal prayer, not a rejection of it both both should be practiced, and also verse seventeen jumps out at me, where our Lord says, "Anoint your head the uh, fasting was often a public practice accompanied by wearing sackcloth and putting ashes on one's on one's head, as the Bible says in Esther chapter four, verse three and Daniel nine three While it was intended to express inner repentance, the hypocrites utilize it to appear devout uh washing and anointing outwardly symbolizes happiness. And disguises one's inner commitment to God. Terry, take it away.
1: Absolutely. I just want to remind everybody that don't forget to sign up for and pre order the Spiritual Warfare Conference live stream and recordings, because we're sold out in the sense of physically being there. You'll want instant access to the high level education presented by Father Chad Ripperger and Liberal Christie and Bishop, Fult, uh, Bishop, Bishop Strickland. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter at vmpr.org. For any updates on the in-person attendance, so keep that in mind. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, Ash Wednesday and why the ashes. You can see them on my forehead, and I know that you have them on yours. And when we come back, we'll talk about that and much, much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin, most powerful radio. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. This segment is brought to you by tan books. Go to VMPR.org. Click on the tan book logo to shop for all your Catholic book needs. Um, And, you know, by clicking that on our logo, it takes you to to their website. But they're going to give VMPR a little kickback to help support what we're doing here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Jesse, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Go for it.
0: Well, Lent it comes from two words. Yep. It comes from the Anglo-Saxon word leng, lengten, yeah. which means spring. Mm-hmm. In Latin, it, uh, it's, it's pronounced, the 40 days is pronounced quadragesima. That's the Latin way of saying it. But pro- Protestants will ask people, so this is a good conversation right now to have. They're going to ask you. So what's this thing about Lent? That's not in the Bible. That word's not in the Bible. What's this 40 days of Lent that you Catholics practice? Well, it is in the Bible. In fact, it's all over the Bible. The the 40 days for the Jews, this is a traditional number of discipline and devotion and preparation for the Jews and especially the prophets. So a a 40-day period for the Jews, it's a time of penance. It's a time of spiritual self examination, literally back in Israel. You go to the desert, you literally uh to try to uh enter into monastic and ascetical practices and to get closer with god so Lent is something that's been observed now by you know Roman Catholic Christians worldwide uh you know for centuries so you know f- forty days is also if you look at it in terms of the ten percent tithing. Forty days is about a tenth of the year, mm-hmm. so this is the way that we can spiritually tithe to God every year. So that, that's that's another way of looking at it. Interesting. Yeah, but let's look at the the biblical basis for forty days. Mm-hmm. When people ask you, sure. why are you Catholics? What's this liturgical season? Where's this from? in the Bible? Mm-hmm. It's all over the Bible. Remember, Moses he stayed on the mountain of God. Mm-hmm. For 40 days this is recorded in Exodus chapter 24 right. verse 18 Exodus chapter 34 verse 28 you also have another story the, 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 the Israelite spies uh, they went into the land of the giants for 40 days to kind of like rec- do a reconnaissance mission and that's described in Numbers chapter 13 verse 25 then we move on to the prophets you have Elijah, one of the two greatest prophets of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. he traveled for 40 days before he reached the cave where he had a vision, uh, and and that, that's recorded in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 8, and where God also fed him in that cave. You also have another example of a minor prophet called Jonah in in chapter 3 of, of, of the book of Jonah, mm-hmm. where... He went, the minor prophet Jonah went to Nineveh, which was a city, a wicked city over in Assyria. And he, he was given, he basically gave the Ninevites, he was preaching. He didn't want to, but God says, you better go over there. And uh, he was swallowed in the belly of the whale. After three days of darkness in the belly of the whale, he goes, okay, God, I guess you win. I'll go and preach. <laughs> the, the whale spits him out in the shore. Right. And he spends 40 days preaching to the Ninevites, calling them to repentance. And guess what? They did, which Terry, this is kind of a, a an important point because a lot of people, yes, they get very fixated about apparitions, right? Appro- you know, and, and Our Lady said this, and, yep. and, and and I and Our Lady said that, and this is going to happen. Yep. Just remember, the Book of Jonah is a perfect example. Yep. A private revelation, even the ones that are approved, okay, and where chastisement is 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 is, is, is part of the the message. All chastisement can be averted if people, if there's individual repentance and national repentance, right. God will avert His chastisement. Even on approved apparitions like Our Lady of Good Success, Akita, yep. Japan. Sure. Uh, you know, Fatima. Uh, you know, uh, so, some of the uh, again, we're talking about the approved apparitions of the Church, where there's something uh, pending, a chastisement pending. Mm-hmm. God can avert it and will avert it if people individually repent and there's national repentance. And we see this in the story of Jonah. Now, I think here's the kicker now. Yeah. When the Protestants say, oh, okay, well, I didn't, I, you know, you, you're bringing up some good points, you know, Mr. Catholic, about 40 days. Well, here's the best point. Here's why we actually enter into this 40 days of prayer, more prayer, fasting and almsgiving. We do this in imitation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, again, St. Paul says over and over again in many passages, uh, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So remember, as Catholics, the the perfect and highest form of imitation is to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we see that the Lord Jesus Christ spent 40 days in the wilderness praying and fasting. This is recorded in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. So... The simple response when somebody sees you with ashes today and they're asking you about what's this whole thing about Lent? Tell them this is because we have a tell them it's because we as Catholics have a biblical worldview and we take the scripture serious and we enter into this monastic practice like the Israelites did like the Jewish prophets did and like our Lord Jesus Christ did. Remember remember Lent is a period of prayer and fasting, and there's a lot of now mainstream Protestant denominations oh, yeah. that have all, that are also practicing Lent as well. It's not only Catholics, That's true, because a lot of the mainstream, the old traditional Protestants, mm-hmm. they're seeing wow, this whole thing about imitating Jesus for 40 days, this is biblical. So you have you're getting a lot of Protestants there that are jumping on board.
1: And, and yeah. Jesse, can I jump in and talk about expiation because this ties right into Lent. About when we offer up our sacrifices so he who desires to make expiation takes on the work of eternal value yes Mm -hmm. for this Lent he who desires to make expiate expiation properly must also begin properly whoever wishes to build a house you know we don't start building the house with the window frames or the roof but rather the foundation so for this Lent you must first create in yourself a solid foundation upon which you can build This solid foundation is called, are you ready? And this is a good one for Lent the capacity to overcome oneself. Mm. The capacity to forget oneself for the sake of others. To love God above all and one's neighbor as oneself. Practice, therefore, by imposing upon yourself every day a sacrifice of expiation for those dying in mortal sin. Can you believe this? What I say at the end of each show, right? For someone dying in mortal sin, for endangered or straying priests, for those who have fallen away, offer all this for them. Always consider the pain, the sorrow of others as much more important than your own. You, man, this is like sacrificial living, man. Listen to him, not to yourself. Really? Yes. The Lord is calling you from others. The world is falling apart. We all know this. The sacrifice of expiation is therefore our most urgent duty for Lent, if we wish to listen attentively to the times and live in them properly. God calls us all into the ranks of the angels, not so that we lose the ground beneath our feet and begin to hover about, but rather so that we might borrow the eyes of the angels and see more sharply and recognize better where there is a need and more clearly living the will of God and for the love of God. I can go on, but Jesse, my point is Make everything a sacrifice for this Lent. And then, even after Lent, live this sacrificial life where you're making expiation for the sins of the world.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, the reason the reason we're entering into this 40-day period of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving yeah. is to prepare ourselves for our own apostolic work, Amen. Our, uh, to become holy according to our state in life, according to our vocation. And so this 40-day period of prayer and fasting it really prepares us to imitate christ uh on the road to calvary and it culminates with good friday the day of the crucifixion and uh and it's it's, this this is all being done in anticipation of easter sunday which is the day of the resurrection the catechism in paragraph 540 it sums up lent this way this is the ccc 540 it says this quote by the solemn 40 days of lent the church unites herself each year to the mystery of Jesus in the desert, Close quote. So remember, family, the, the Lent began today with Ash Wednesday, and it ends before Holy Thursday Mass of the Last Supper. After Holy Thursday Mass, or right before Holy Thursday Mass, excuse me, right before, now we enter in to what's called the Holy Tritium, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. And uh you know something else that's important to mention about Lent is that from from Mash Wednesday to Easter, you actually count forty six days, so some people will say, "Wait a minute, I thought Lent was forty days, but I'm counting forty six days from Mash Wednesday to Easter well the way you the way this is explained is that Sundays are considered days of rejoicing and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ even during Lent. Yep. So as a result, the Sundays between Ash Wednesday and Easter are not included in the days of penance, sorrow, and fasting.
1: You know, that's a great point. And Jesse, we're going to continue one more segment talking about Lent. And I want to remind everybody, after the show, we always pray the rosary. And then Jesse Romero's classic presentation, Why the Ashes, will be streaming exclusively on Virgin Most Powerful Radio's app. If you don't have the app... Now's the time to get it. Go to your app store and just put in VMPR.org, uh, our Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and you can download it and you can hear it because I think it's very, very powerful. Jess, you've got so much information on the Lenten season. Uh, I, I also, you have a lot of good biblical teachings, I hope, in the next segment from the Old Testament that set the stage for what we're doing today on Ash Wednesday.
0: Will do. Okay, yep. brother. Yeah, you got it, Terry, and... uh and remember that Lent, Lent is a time for Catholics yeah. to live out our faith more intensely mm-hmm. with, with a vision to access God's power through yeah. more prayer, more fasting, Amen. peaceful vigils, to end abortion and the other evils in America. Yeah. And Lent is also a time for the body of Christ to come together around the world right. in a spirit of unity with the purpose of, of repentance and conversion yep. and to seek God's face. And to turn our hearts and minds from a culture of death to a culture of life. Uh, And so uh, it reminds me of the words of St. Augustine, which which apply to every single day, not only just Lent. He says, if you pray well, you will live well. (laughs) If you live well, you will die well. And if you die well, all will be well.
1: That line is such a great line about life. St. Augustine, pray for us. Jesse, I also want to remind everybody, this is the Lenten season, almsgiving. Uh, We're going to be building a studio for Bishop Strickland in Texas where he's going to be residing in retirement. And I I wanted to ask some people if they are able to help us support that project. They can just put down studio for Bishop Strickland, go to our VMPR website and make the donation there or call us at 877-526-2151. We come back. Here it is on Terry and Jesse show. Jesse's got some great biblical teachings from the Old Testament that I guarantee you, you're going to love. And you'll be able to share that with your friends today on this Ash Wednesday. We'll be right back after a quick break. Welcome back to this uh, Ash Wednesday special edition with the Terry and Jesse show. You're in for a treat. Jesse's been Catechizing us on the I would call the the, the beginning how the genesis of where we get Lent from. So Jess, I'm gonna turn it back to you, brother.
0: Yeah, this is the big one right now because most people are gonna go back to work, yeah. school, to the office, and if you went to receive your ashes this morning, yep. like Terry and myself did, yep. people are gonna ask you questions. People are gonna say and and some people get sarcastic. The secular humanist, oh yeah, the world leans, they'll say, hey, hey, hey uh Terry, you you got a smudge <laughs> in your forehead. Yeah. Hey, 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 uh, Terry, you got some dirt on, on and they know what it is. Oh, yeah. All they want to do is they want to poke fun. That that so you you will get that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, when you receive your ashes today, and, and and it's basically I'll tell you what Ash Wednesday really is. It's 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 warfare.
1: Spiritual warfare.
0: It's spiritual warfare. And you're going to war really against yourself.
1: Exactly, it's what I just brought up.
0: Yes. Yes. In fact, it, it, today at Mass, this look at the colic. What what the colic read today? Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, the priest read reads today in the in the in the in the, the Novus Ordo Mass, in the Roman rite. The colic to today's Mass. It's it's this. Grant, O Lord, that we may begin with holy fasting. This campaign of Christian service. The word campaign in the Bible means war. It even means war in America. You talk about, you know, Biden talks about the campaign in Ukraine or right. the campaign in Israel, the Holy Land. Sure. It means war. Campaign means war. Okay? Right. Right. So so today's prayer. Grant, O Lord, that we may begin with holy fasting this campaign or war of Christian service so that as we take up battle against spiritual evils, we may be armed with weapons of self-restraint through our Lord Jesus Christ your son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit God forever and ever amen. That's the prayer today. If you if you listen to it you're saying, "Oh wow. Lent is supposed to be I'm supposed to go go to war with myself." Yes, St. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 7, right. the war between the flesh and the spirit. And we're supposed to make our spirit stronger during these 40 days. So today you're going to hear either Genesis 3.19. That was almost basically pre-1965. Yeah. You would hear, remember man you are dust and to dust you will return. Most people will, will hear Mark one fifteen today uh, put over your foreheads as, as millions of people throughout the world are, 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 are getting these, this sooty cross With black ashes on your foreheads, you'll hear Mark 115, repent and believe in the gospel. Now, again, the biblical basis of 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 Lent, just to be clear, you see 40 days is in in history. This is a time of when major transformation occurs. For example, Noah experienced transformation during 40 days of rain in Genesis chapter 7, verse 4. Moses was transformed by 40 days of prayer on Mount Sinai in Exodus 24. David was transformed by Goliath's 40 days of challenging the Israelites to fight in 1 Samuel 17. Elijah was transformed when God gave him food and drink to strengthen him to walk for 40 days to Mount Sinai. Jonah transformed a wicked city Of Nineveh in Assyria when he preached that the Lord was giving them 40 days to repent and be faithful in Jonah chapter 3 and they listened. Jesus was transformed and empowered by 40 days of prayer in the desert in Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 to 11 and the disciples were transformed after spending 40 days with, with Jesus Christ following his resurrection in Acts chapter 1 verse 3 and 9. Let's get right to the ashes now, okay? Good,
1: good.
0: Um, the people of the Old Testament, they used ashes as a sign of mourning. Many, many verses I can show you. Esther chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. Job 42, verse 6. Jeremiah six twenty six. Now, even today ashes are considered a symbol of death and of nothingness. Ashes remind us of our helplessness and dependence on God. So ashes remind us also of our need to mourn, of our sinful nature, to feel contrition, to repent, so that we can receive God's forgiveness. Ashes are a symbol of, of sinfulness and of our commitment to spiritual renewal. The ashes tell the world in publicly that we're sinners, and that and, and, but they're in the sign of a cross, so we're sinners who have hope. That's what the ashes mean on your forehead. You're telling everybody, you're recognizing, I'm a sinner, and, and sinners have hope, and what's our hope? The cross on my forehead. So what? why are ashes put on the forehead? In the Old Testament, in 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 19, it tells us that ashes were placed on people's foreheads during times of, of fasting, fasting during times of prayer, repentance and remorse, that's where they put the ashes on the foreheads of the Israelites. And uh as a Catholic, do I have to get marked with the ashes? Well, you know, it's not it, it's not required to get to heaven so to speak Re- receiving holy communion, that's required to get to heaven. Yeah uh ashes it's a matter of a personal personal choice but it's a good way it's a good public witness and a good reminder for you to say this is how I'm going to start lent reminding myself that I'm a sinner and I need a savior and and who's my savior the symbol of those ashes of that cross it reminds you that that you and you're saying it publicly this is a public decoration that you need Jesus. That's what you're telling people, the cross on your forehead. And, and, and basically, uh, it's a sign of remorse. It's a sign like, Hey, you know what? This is day one. I'm going to go deeper these next 40 days. I get it. You can probably feel socially uncomfortable, you know, because every, nobody around there in the office has ashes and they're looking at you like, Hey, this guy's got some dirt on his forehead, but you know what? Uh, It's good to feel a little bit uncomfortable, but, but also don't let this be a source of having like unholy pride and you know, where you're saying, look at all these pagans, you know, in your mind, look at all these pagans they are all going to hell. These guys don't (laughs) know about Jesus. They don't know about Ash Wednesday. So don't let the ashes also become a source of unholy pride. Uh, But, but once again, make sure you're doing it. You're, you're receiving the ashes and, and you do so with piety. Well said, and Jesse,
1: this is really important. I've noticed on Ash Wednesday, uh, the amount of people that come to church to get the ashes, especially in the Hispanic community. Mm. Uh, my priest mm. friends tell me that they, they can't even get any room. They're just packed.
0: oh no, no,
1: it's just packed. <laughs> I mean, we they don't come they don't come during our Sunday. But, so how do we how do we reach out to those? uh catholics uh, i you know, might take but i mean there's so many of them that will just come for the ashes thinking that it's like a good luck thing if they don't get the ashes something bad will happen to them you you've seen that in uh all my category. life yeah
0: terry that that's why today you know during that uh, during ash wednesday the priest should give a, sh- a short catechesis that's right you know, that That's right. the short biblical catechesis right. on, on why we do this, kind of like something like what we're doing here right now, yeah. because most people have never heard this, and just let them know that this doesn't get you to heaven, no. okay? This, this this is just a, 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 a day one, and it's a sign, it's a public sign where you're declaring that you're a sinner, and you need a savior, and you're going to enter into 40 days of a deeper monastic ascetical practices and and maybe even give Catholics the biblical roots behind all this because it does come from the Bible. Yeah, Romans chapter twelve verse one and two. I appeal to you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Notice that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Of verse two. Do not be be conformed to this to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So there's a lot of there's a lot of scripture behind this, Terry, yes. as to why Catholics practice this day.
1: And, you know, Jesse, even with our fasting today, uh, you know, I I, you're probably going to get like a sugar uh, blend where your uh, your sugar count goes down and you feel a little tired and lethargic. Uh, you can offer that to our Lord. And so, you know, you're hungry right now, or just a little bit of discomfort. We live in a world that has such comforts that, you know, this day and Good Friday, two days of real serious fasting, is it asking too much for us? I don't think so. And I got to tell you, Jesse, that I've been told by the monks that their spiritual life, their sensitivity to God, when they do fast, it, it goes way up. In other words. The senses change, and we're not so much into our senses of comfort, but we're, we're, we're uniting that with Christ, and we think about him on the cross. We think about what he did for us and then ask ourselves, can we do some suffering? Can we offer some sacrifices for the one who saved us? I hope so.
0: Absolutely. Uh, a verse that you're always quoting, Terry, Colossians oh, 124. Yeah. Of course. It, it says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings yeah. for your sake, And in my flesh, I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. So there you go. That's another Bible verse that really has a lot of Lenten meaning. Uh, Here's another one for the first pope. First Peter chapter one, verse 22. The first pope said, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere love of the brethren. Love one another earnestly from the heart. Well well and the the first pope. Here's another one for the first pope, First Peter chapter two verse four and five. The first pope says, "Come to him, to that living stone rejected by men, but in God's in God's sight chosen and precious. And like living stones, be yourselves built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Here it is, to offer spiritual sacrifices." Acceptable to God through Jesus Christ.
1: Amen. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about catechizing my father, but I also want to just give one little comment, Jesse, that nine out of 10 Americans have concerns about President Biden's physical yep. and mental health. Nine out of 10? Uh, I don't know any statistic that's that strong, but I happen to be one of them. Stay with us. We'll be back yep. after a quick moment. Break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Absolutely. My engineer said we forgot to do the Fulton Sheen quote of the day. Oh, well, you got (laughs) got to get (laughs) it in, Terry. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room real quick. Oh, Sheen ahead. He says, no man discovers anything big unless he makes himself small. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of wisdom there. And by the way, mm. uh after the rosary after this show, Jess Romero's talk Why the Ashes Complete Our Talk will be aired on our uh app. So if you don't have our app, get the uh Virgin Most Powerful Radio's app and listen to this talk. It's a it's a great talk. All right, Jess, let's turn it back to you.
0: Yeah, uh the the presentation after the show is all it's biblical, it's a Bible oh, yeah. study. Oh yeah. It's 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 a deep dive into scripture and the catholic roots of this day in this season so uh great great article terry it's catechizing. called catechizing my father yeah I read wow
1: yeah
0: yep. <clears throat> uh, written by robert marco he says this <laughs> he says it began with a text on the solemnity of the immaculate conception dad don't forget to go to mass today it's a holy day of obligation there's a noon mass at saint jude's for your information, remember intentionally missing mass on a holy day of obligation is a mortal sin. Close quote. Mm-hmm. Four hours later, my father responded. Just got back, it was packed, <laughs> and I arrived, with, I arrived with a minute to spare. Good for him. But one of the ushers found me a seat. I feel good, thank I feel good thanks thanks to going. Question. Question though. Mm-hmm. And the father asked the son. Is missing a holy day of obligation a mortal sin, if you are aware of it, and choose to ignore it, or a venial sin otherwise, not knowing not knowing it and missing it? Analogous to not knowing a law and breaking one is cause for arrest. So the, the son took a breath, he said, and said a quick prayer for, for pecking out a reply, and he told his dad, he texted him, Dad, grave offense... But mortal sin depends on three conditions, grave matter, full knowledge, deliberate consent. If it's serious, you know, and do it anyway, it's a mortal sin. So a few moments later, his dad responded again. His dad said, a lot of these words are subject to interpretation. I would like to meet you sometime privately and discuss the topic further. Wow. Five days later, my mom, wife, and daughter caught an early morning bus to New York City for the day, and my dad asked him if he could stop by to see my two boys mm-hmm. and drop something off for me. <laughs> of course, I said, come on by. He arrived smiling, recounting almost getting in an accident with an 18-wheeler oh, on the drive over to my house, and he, and he gave his grandson's hugs, and I said, have a seat, Dad. I told him in between firing off work emails... I'll put some coffee on. We went into the kitchen, just the two of us, and he laid his copy of the Baltimore Catechism I that, I had, that I had sent him over the summer on the table.
1: What a, what a good son.
0: I know. As well as a frayed black prayer book the size of an index card. Yeah, oh yeah. My dad gave me this prayer book, he said reflectively, fingering through the yellow pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I asked, and then inquired about his religious upbringing as a child. Did he go to CCD? Mm-hmm. Did his father teach him the faith? His dad said, well, my father would go to the divine liturgy in the city on Sundays. He began, but he never took me for some reason. Wow. There was a boy in our neighborhood who I knew and I would go to his his Episcopalian. uh, What what would you call it? Sunday school to, you know, learn the basics. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I turned 12 that we had a Ukrainian Catholic chapel uh, in Roxborough So after after that, I started going there with my dad and a priest there would give lessons. Terry, you want to pick it up from there? No, you
1: keep going. You're doing great. This is awesome. I love the dialogue between dad and son. Son, Keep going. What an example.
0: I knew my grandfather died right before my dad graduated college Mm -hmm. at age 21. Right. And that always left a hole in his heart that was never really filled. My grandmother, who was Russian Orthodox, struggled with depression and my father was an only child. So I had to assume that he had stopped going to church around that time. Yeah. Like my grandfather and grandmother, my parents' marriage was, was one of mixed faith. My mother was a lifelong cultural Episcopalian. My father a baptized but uncatechized Eastern Rite Catholic. You can't give what you don't have. <laughs> That's true. And so it's no surprise that my brothers and I were left to our own devices when it came to religion. We had no CCD, some sporadic Sunday school and baptism in the Episcopal church as infants and knew nothing really about the person of Christ or of Christian doctrine. Nor were we forced to go to church. <laughs> and so we usually didn't. Yep. It was only at the age of 18 after years of giving us giving of living as a secularist that gave way to dramatic conversion at the hand of grace that I came to know Jesus Christ, and came into the Catholic Church of my own volition. Awesome! You got some commentary?
1: No, I just I, this is how it works, you know. Sacramento, somebody's praying for him that that the grace for him to come to the church. It's see, that's what we were talking earlier, Jesse, about praying for sinners and praying for people to come to know Jesus Christ. What a great prayer! And this this whole dialogue is very exciting for me to just listen to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, he says. Uh, Metal. Uh, Let me, gosh. Uh, wait me see. Uh, where did I leave off at? Yeah, I was piecing together the fragments of my father's religious childhood formation. Yeah, and things were starting to make a little more sense in the current context of our text exchange. I decided that that rather than shoot the breeze and talk about what was more comfortable—the weather, the stock market, car maintenance, etc.—I'd cut to the chase and talk about the only thing that really matters. <laughs> I asked him. If we could say a quick prayer together, to which he obliged, and beg the Holy Spirit to give us the grace to guide our conversation. Awesome. Confident in Christ's promise that where two or three are gathered in My name, there I am in their midst, mm-hmm. I could see that at seventy-three years old, that he was essentially an infant, an infant, when it came to faith formation. Yep. I was always taught, he said, with the far-off look in his eyes, that good people go to heaven. And that bad people go to hell. So that, this is what the father said. Sure. So the son said, I winced a little. It wasn't uncommon. I know lots of people of my father's generation who hold the same erroneous thinking. He went on to say that he was taught presumably presumably by the priest as a child that mortal sin was heinous, serious, but never anything more than that. <laughs> I think what, a lot, what followed is that mortal sin was equated with bank robbers and murderers. And that since my father wasn't either of those two things, he was in the clear. Things like neglecting to attend Mass and other sins of commission and omission were never even on the radar.
1: Yeah, and let me just say, he says, you know, Dad, it says in the Bible that there's no one who is good. Not one. I don't know how to say this, but what you were taught, it's not right, at least not completely For the next two hours, I love this, as my father sat quietly listening, I explained the basics of justification, that we are born into sin, washed clean in baptism, saved by his grace through Christ's redemptive work on the cross, that it is not in faith alone that we are saved, that many Protestants believe, that we need works to accompany that faith. For faith without works is dead as St. James writes and how mortal sin severs friendship with God and the life of grace within us and it's easier to commit than one may think what a great conversation continue just we just got a couple of minutes at
0: one point he got a concerned look in his face his yeah. dad did his dad says uh, I, I mean how can one get to heaven when there are so many sins one one can commit yeah no one's perfect <laughs> I gently told my dad about the great mercy extended to us in the yeah. statement of penance that mortal sin severs the friendship with God and must be, must be restored through confession and that as long as we have breath in us, we can always turn to, to God in repentance. He fingered an examination of conscience pamphlet that I had given him a few months ago. See, I pointed, if you're unsure what may be grave matter, this will help you examine your conscience and serve as a guide. We went through the Baltimore Catechism together or at least one section of it on sin. Wow. Okay, then what is purgatory? His dad asks. Purgatory, I told him, is a purification after death, and it hurts like hell, but it's not forever. <laughs> that that it is only, it is also a great mercy of God extended to us sinners, that so that none of us are lost. Right. All of this, all this is a lot. Uh, uh, the, the father said, "All this is a lot to take in." He said somberly, his voice a little, a little unsteady. I'm 73 years old and it's not easy to change especially when you're thinking and be- and believing a certain way all your life. Dad I said to him softly I want you to be saved. I want you to be with us in heaven. Amen. God can supply the grace to change. He gives us he gives to all who ask. Look at the good thief on the cross. He's able to join Jesus in paradise given the grace of final penitence. As long as you're still alive there's still time. Amen. But once you're dead that's it. Game over. No redos. There is heaven and there is hell. Yeah. And we get to choose through our free will what path we want to walk. It's impossible for us, but all things are possible with God. And hell isn't just for Hitlers and Stalins. I pulled the miraculous medal I wore around I wear around my neck out of my shirt. I love it. This is called the sacramental dad. The church gives us these various sacramentals as a conduit of grace to help us to do the to do the impossible by faith. I recounted to my dad how my wife and I were converted away from from the mortal sin of using contraception by way of the miraculous medal, and how the M- Mother of God poured out graces from her Son to help us change course. Uh, Dad, I have some extras in the dining room. I'll give you one before you leave. It may be just the help that you need. I knew it was a lot to take in all at once. That the church in the 1960s, through uh, through now, had kind of dropped the catechetical ball and left men like my father in a sea of subjective theological heterodoxy and catechetical ambiguity. Yeah. I reassured my dad that he's not alone or unique, but that many people of his generation simply weren't taught the faith well, That's right. uh, that bad f- teaching and fluffy filler got mixed into the mortar to weaken the foundation. But it's never too late to learn, Dad. He nodded thoughtfully.
1: Wow. Yeah. What a great That's story, a bea- Jeff. Yeah, what a that story. just touches my heart. Folks, yeah. this is uh, a real story and real life. Listen to how he used his miraculous metal. Uh, look at how he's been praying for his dad, giving him catechisms, talking to him about the most important thing—salvation. I, I just—it uh, it really made me want to cry because what I was so happy.
0: Son. What a great son! Yeah,
1: thank you for getting that article, Jesse.
0: Yeah, yeah. Powerful. It, yeah. It is. Yeah, it is.
1: Powerful. You get it from it choke, the It
0: chokes you up. It's, yeah, it's...
1: it does. Yeah. And, and get this from the show page for the article. And also, don't forget after the rosary, we're going to pray. Then we'll have Jesse Romero's. Uh, presentation, Why the Ashes. Like you said, it's a Bible study. You won't want to miss that and much, much more. Jesse Romero, hey, what state should we be living in, brother?
0: Hey, I'm going to say this every day till I drop dead. Exactly. Let's live in a state of sanctifying grace. Become cold. Become as holy as possible according to your state in life. Yep. And uh, don't live in a state of mortal sin. Uh, become holy or die trying.
1: And remember what Our Lady of Fatima said. At Fatima. Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Someone was praying for that dad, and it was his son. The prayers of that son were answered in this story. Let's pray for sinners. Let's pray for the church. I want to thank everybody who's been supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Enjoy the Jesse Romero special Bible study on Why the Ashes right after the road trip. May God richly bless you and your family.